Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For over 20 years, Dr. James Maxwell and his team at Crestwood Dental have been providing quality care to patients of all ages. They offer a variety of services from cleanings to cosmetic dentistry and restorations with today's most advanced technology, including the most up-to-date lasers, digital x-rays, and impressions. They offer Invisalign and custom aligners with their 3D printer. Crestwood Dental accepts most insurance plans and a membership program for uninsured patients. Schedule today at 314-463-5655 or Crestwood dental.com This is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango, and former Blues defenseman, Jamie Rivers. It is the Last Minute Blues Podcast. Donnie, Jeff, Jamie, uh, here to talk to you about all things blues hockey. Uh, myself and Mr. Burton, we're over at 105.7 The Point. Jamie Rivers, a former Blue defenseman and team member down at 101 ESPN. Gents, how goes it on a Tuesday? So that far, so pretty, good. That was pretty good today, yeah, Donnie. Yeah. Oh, I wrote that Not out bad. for him. Working on the three E's, buddy you boy. Did, it doesn't matter if you wrote it. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. It's a hard time reading. Dude, dude so, well, and sometimes the energy level um, exceeds my ability to read somehow. It's like my brain is moving faster than what my body will allow. Eh. It's, again, it's the hamster in the wheel. But the wheel's going so fast that the hamster gets caught. So the hamster's literally just being thrown around the wheel. For the first... The hamster's got a concussion at this point. He's day-to-day with an upper, upper body If it If it didn't have a Richard Gere connotation to it, I would love a Fandango t-shirt with, like, a gerbil in a wheel. Like, I think that that would be funny, but there's too many... You know, the Richard Gere stuff with the gerbil? No, I don't know what you're talking about. What are you talking about? Yes, you do. Stop it. Was it a gerbil? That it just the well, we it's just that room. I don't even know what we're talking about. Donnie, anymore. I'm very sorry. I just rodent. thought that it would be funny I feel on like a T-shirt. We have a confirmed gerbil, though. <laughs> we said hamster, but I thought it was one of the two. I don't know. Oh, I wasn't man. being any particular. You guys ever have one of those? What's as a the pack? difference between them? Gerbil well, the gerbil looks like a little, like a more like a rat. Yeah, and then a hamster is like it's a little fluffy, fuzzier. Yeah, yeah. Right. Richard yeah. Gear said depends how much alcohol. All right, so yeah. No, I, that's just what Richard... Go, go I don't blues. even know how I went on. I don't even know how that happened. I'm Speaking sorry. Speaking of guys. animals, gentlemen, yeah. um, I challenged myself today, and uh, you guys are both dog people. Yes. And uh, Well, know, we're not dog people. We, we're people that own dogs, yes. Okay, well, it's Because there's no way I could get these pants on if I was a dog We've seen the DNA, person. and it's up for debate. Okay, <laughs> so that being said, uh, we'll just go with this. We'll simplify it for you, Jeff. You guys you. both own dogs, yes. and you love dogs. Yes. 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 Jeff, I know you're a big yes. cat person. I heard no, you on the show not at this all. morning. No. It's an awful stereotype, by sure. the way. Of people who don't like cats, right? Yeah, it's trending. Clearly useless. Um, now, <laughs> that being said, uh, I had a Zoom call this morning. Both my wife and I. It's modern times. It's COVID times. So no longer do you go to meetings in person. Sure. Sometimes, if the room's big and everybody's masked up and you got good filtration, it'll happen. But most times, it's a Zoom call. And so this morning, I had double booked myself. In fact, we double booked ourselves. So we had two dogs, our two Akitas, which are very large dogs, mm-hmm. uh, very difficult to take to the vet. They don't particularly enjoy other dogs. So the vet being a busy spot is, well, that's challenging. That's Thunderdome. Oh that's stressful. It's a yeah. bit of Thunderdome. Yeah. So the, the vet said, okay, here's what we're going to do. You guys are going to park in a parking spot. And when we're ready, we'll come out and get your dogs. I didn't anticipate that because remember the Zoom meeting? Mm-hmm. You're doing yeah, it, in it was car? at 9.30, and we were supposed to be at the vet at 9.15. We're still in the car with both dogs at 9.30, and my wife's Zoom meeting got moved up to 9.30 as well. So we have a double Zoom going on. We've got two dogs in the back that are 
um, announcing their presence. <laughs> with to, authority. With authority <laughs> yeah. uh, to every dog and person that comes near us. Uh, so, yeah, so uh, Hans Wyman, who's a big client of 101 ESPN, and I'm, you know, one of their endorsers, and we had a big meeting with corporate. You know, they had been taken over by new corporate people who were improving it, and all the while we go, in the background. I bet your client was just pulling their hair out. It was unbelievable. Nice job, buddy. Anyway, go ahead. Nothing. And then Shannon's doing her real estate thing, and her people are hearing my discussion. And yeah, so it was interesting, guys. That's how my day started. Ooh, I'm like yeah. in full on, I call it like UFC mode because like I'm getting it every direction possible. My yeah, first yeah. thought was that's what you get for doing stuff with your wife. But with two Akitas, you need two humans taking them to the vet. 100%. Yeah. We do. And we had thought about doing it solo. I was going to go Han Solo on this one. And uh, that would have been a disaster. Would have been a disaster. Would it it make more sense or is it more of a pain in the ass to schedule the dog's visits at separate times? You're going to take one. But it is a pain in the the ass, dude. It's a pain in the ass. And then when you take one and not the other, like even you take one outside and not the other one, the other one's like, (laughs) Now I'm going to screw up your. Oh, real? so they're just attached at the hip. Yeah, it's oh, like wow. I'm going to I'm going to go eat your shoes. Yeah, <laughs> and while you're worried about your shoes, ah, I might just pee over here on your carpet. <laughs> and when you're worried about the carpet, yeah, I might just go scratch the blinds. Oh, and by the way, I'm impacted right now. About ready to let go. Yeah, so. uh, and you, keep upsetting. Me. Don't you dare me, or I'll just release then, the hounds right here the, on the floor. The Akita stuff. I mean, you could let that sit around for a while and turn it into furniture, right? I mean, it's the kids one time thought it was a beanbag chair. Oh, God. It was uh, that maybe a diet thing for the yeah. dog. Well, it m- it if... might be. It might be. And... Did they jump? Into like a beanbag chair. Yeah, they just sit in there like, look at Dad. It's so warm, too. Do you it plug was, this in? It was the tall son, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. yeah so yeah. Can Like I, a coaster for him. Can I ask real quick, how many minutes are we into this? We are at 529. Yeah, definitely the most offensive five minutes that we've probably ever done. Well, hang on, I got more. Right? Oh, good, good, good. But wait, there's more. <laughs> okay? All right. Did you guys see the video? And I wanted to talk to you guys about this because, well... You're kind of messed up, just like me. So I thought, okay, this would be fun. Did you guys see the video of the Oklahoma University wide receiver who got picked a fight in the bathroom? (laughs) Okay. Picked the wrong fight? Yes. So him and this other dude or big dude, for our listeners who may not have seen this, and they're in a bathroom, which, let me tell you, of all my years of frequenting local watering holes or any watering holes at all. Of all the men's men's rooms you've been in. All the men's rooms I've been in. I've never once thought to myself, this is a great spot to pick a fight. Mm -hmm, Right? It's crowded. We got a lineup. Guys, dongs are everywhere. Let's get it on. Don't get excited. I mean, fight. And there's like a quarter inch of urine on the floor. Yes. So that's where this leads me is this wide receiver who's a big dude. He looked like he was about 6'3", 6'4". He's kind of poking at this little guy. And then the little guy st- looks over at his friend and was like, you're really going to do this like here, you know? And finally he gets shoved hard. The smaller guy gets shoved hard. Well, the two smaller guys are like 10 years MMA trained. So he grabs this dude and starts beating him. Him and his buddy just grab these two big guys and start throttling him. But here's the strategy I was kind of um, perplexed about, Jeff. That means confused. It's a big right. word. Um the little guy took this fight right to the ground. Sure right? did. I don't know if I'm taking it to the ground in the bathroom. Well, right. but if you think about it, isn't he the MMA guy? He is, but he could also strike. And I just don't know. Like, my first thought is I am going for the rear naked choke. Right. right? Yeah. I'm going for the rear naked choke in a puddle of urine in the men's room. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was his game once he was on the ground. You could see the MMA training because he wrapped his legs oh, around yeah. the dude. Soon and he looked like happened. a little squirrel maybe monkey was, on his I, I get what you're saying, but maybe on the ground, that that's where he makes his money. You know what I mean? There's no I doubt. There's no yeah. doubt that that's but his I competitive advantage. Yes. But at the same time, I'm like, mm. Why don't you try to get him outside of the bathroom before you take if, him down? Is if, that kind of what well, you're saying a little bit? You know, my dad always had a thing, right? And Jeff, you know my father. He's yeah. an interesting individual. All right. Um, I cannot wait for what is about to be said. And uh, <laughs> a couple of things he, he, he taught me growing up. And one was, first of all, he said, um, always punch a guy in the face first. At least he hit him once. Mm-hmm. So we're like, okay. He's okay. like, you know, no matter what, call it a sucker punch, doesn't matter. At least you hit him once. So even if you lose the fight, you got one in. 
he says, odds are you're probably not going to lose that fight. But, you know, that's what you got going for you. The other one he taught me, which was a, a trick of the trade, I would say. I would imagine that uh, Jim Rivers had a few scraps in his lifetime. And judging by what his brothers say about it, he was pretty good yeah, sure. at it. And he said, uh, someone comes up and challenges you to a fight in the bar. He's like, just be calm. Take a sip of your drink and look at them and spit your drink in their face. And he goes, as soon as they lift their hands to their face, kick them right in the balls. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> that is he's not like, where I thought that was going. No, I he's like, so son, then you follow it up with a headbutt. That is barroom martial arts. I like it. I like. You know what? And a quick question before we move on from this video <laughs> is two-parter, actually. If you're a 10-year MMA-trained fighter and you're in the bathroom, you're ankle-deep in urine, mm. Do you say to the guy, hey, man, I don't want to do this. This is I'm MMA trained, blah, blah, blah. Or do you come off of as a, as a douche if you say that? I think that's a douche card. Yeah. If you, you think start, so? Most people, like, remember back, way back in the day, be like, I know karate. Right, right. Okay. Right. Okay, <laughs> right. tough guy. You know, even though you might have been able to beat somebody's ass, it's like, the, oh, you know karate. Do you have your membership card? Right, you know, right. Like, <laughs> so I think if you're sitting there. You don't say anything. Now, one thing that for our listeners, if you're contemplating a bar fight, which you shouldn't be staying at, just buy somebody a drink and get over it, quite honestly. Coming from me. Um, But, yeah, (laughs) maybe scout your opponent. Take a look at them. See if they have any scars on their face. Look at their knuckles. Do they have scars on their knuckles? Do they have cauliflower ear that looks like they have another nose growing on the side of their head? What you're saying is take the hints. They might be MMA trained. Yeah. That would be my suggestion. No, go ahead. I was going to say, because a couple of times, especially when we were hanging out, and there were times when it was, hey, I want to fight somebody. I'm going to go try to fight a blues player Mm -hmm. because I get everything out of it. And if I lose, I get nothing. I got beat up by a hockey player. Yeah. And if I get beat up really bad, I'm going to try and sue him. I'm going to sue. Yeah, absolutely. So you got to talk yourself out of those situations because for a player or a former player, there's no win for you there. There's no win, dude. And so I always used to handle it like it, it was always something to do with girls, right? And it always happens because whether there's somebody who's talking to somebody who they shouldn't, somebody giggles when they shouldn't, or she giggles harder because your joke is funnier because their boyfriend isn't, all of a sudden, oh, my God, we've got problems, you know? Yeah. And so most of the time I always just said, listen, dude. I'm not on the, I'm not in the market for this. First of all, second of all, I'm just having a good time. Right. You want to have a drink and have some laughs? Great. If not, man, just move along. Isn't it know? funny how it's always the guy that goes, "Oh yeah, Mr. Big Shot trying to be cool NHL guy." And I'm like, "No, you're the guy who's trying to be the cool guy right now. Flip that around and look at yourself." It it sometimes it you know, the guys would be too drunk and they would want to continue it. The best one, the funniest one was when people would challenge Twister. Oh, yeah. God. Not at the bar. I know and, more than one story about this. Dude. Yeah, oh, and he's he's the NHL heavyweight champion, first of all. He gets paid to beat the snot out of people on skates. Imagine what he can do you know, in a bar. And he is, was MMA trained as well. Wasn't called MMA back then. But they had, you know, he did a bunch of different things in the offseason to train. And so people would always come up and be like, yeah, you want to go, Twister? And he never got rattled. I mean, first of all, the man never had any, any emotion when he fought on the ice. It right. was just like he was a machine. And, and he'd tell people, okay, have you got $1,000 cash on you right now? He'd be like, well, no. He's like, well, first of all, I don't fight anybody for free. I get paid to fight. Good. And he goes, if you're going to get your ass kicked by Tony Twist, you're going to tell the great story that you paid me $1,000 to get your ass. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. The, the one that I was witness to was the, his place on 94. Oh, Jesus. And somebody was hassling him and wanting to get in his face. And he said, That's fine. Let's do this. But we're going to go outside of my establishment and yeah. we're going to call the police first. And we're going to gather, and we're all going to see, we're all going to notice that you wanted to fight me. Yeah. And that's how we're going to do this. And, of course, it didn't happen. No, no. There's a few that did happen over the years. And, um, yeah, let's just say clean up on aisle two most of the time. Yeah, I guess so. How many, um, okay, because we've all been there, early 20s, in bars and clubs and whatever. And it it doesn't take much for the dumb 20-year-old brain to take things over, especially after some drinks. Is it a pretty frequent, like, thing when you dudes are out and about, obviously non-COVID times? Like, are guys trying to be knuckleheads more than they're like, holy crap, that's Jaden Schwartz right. over there or whatever. You know, I just can't you imagine. both be- sides of it. Yeah. And they're both annoying, I'm sure. No, listen, man. It is what it is. Like, I, you've been with me, Jeff. Mm-hmm. I just, to me, I, I'm always of the philosophy, if you build it, 
they will come. And my whole point is, let's have a party. Let's mm-hmm. bring in everybody. You stand at the end of the bar. You walk in with a couple, three people, order some drinks, have some laughs. People want to be a part of that. And then if people recognize who you are, well, they either want to be a part of it or they don't want to be a part of it. But the more people that like what's going on or the more people like, dude, chill out, like, right. you know, or go away or we're done here. Or the bouncers sometimes come over and be like, dude, get stepping, you right. know, like it's not worth it. So for me, it's, it's always I try to diffuse it. And it's simply because I don't need the hassle. Right. And again, to go back to the other side of it is a lot of the times guys get jealous over girls' responses. And it's not like, and Jeff, you've been there. Yeah. We're not like actively like, hey, we're right. too wild and crazy guy. Well, maybe that we were doing. But now, <laughs> but otherwise, and sometimes there's there's nothing to it. Maybe you've bought drinks for 10 people and this guy's girlfriend, or not even a girlfriend, someone he's interested in gets a drink and now she's having fun as part of this big group of people. It's not like they're drinking with me or drinking with, at the time, like Jimmy Campbell or whatever. They're drinking as part of the group, but then the boyfriend who's had a few too many, you know, Jack Daniels, he's like, Dan, that guy's getting on my girl. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I'm not, dude. This is a guy that normally walks around with his arm around her shoulder anyway, no matter where they go. So it's like, yeah, this is mine. Yeah. This yeah. is mine right it's, here. It's an amazing. There's all kinds of problems way before they walk into that bar. Yeah, it is an sure. amazing amount of small penis energy. Yeah. It is, it's really, sure. it is, it's really what that is, man. <laughs> yeah. Like, that, it's just all over the place. So listen, guys, one amazing thing happened over the course uh, of the week or however many days since we last did the podcast. Guys, we have seven listener emails, and before we even get to these, the quality is fantastic. Oh, that's great. Like, every one of these emails. Like because, the printing quality? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, well, that we just, too. We just put a new ink cartridge in. <laughs> but so. just, but you know, man, I mean, people asking really good questions, right. and I thought that that was, I thought that was very cool. The, the, very the quality cool. here coming. was high. So you can always email us, lmbp at 1057thepoint.com, lmbp at 1057thepoint.com. We'll start with uh, Kurt. What is the biggest difference on the bench uh, when a team decides to play 11 forwards and 7 defensemen? Uh, I've seen a few teams this year use this approach. I just wondered how it makes line changes and such more difficult during the game since you don't have completely established lines. He says, thanks for your time and love listening to the podcast. That's from Kurt. Kurt. Bringing it. Uh, my first thought is, is there a little bit of confusion on the on the line changes and or are you playing a lot with different people throughout the game because of the odd number? Most of the time, the coach will set up one centerman. It's usually a centerman that they'll leave out of it. Or it depends on the situation. Every now and then you get a winger, but then the coach will identify what winger will double shift. So the case of the St. Louis Blues, let's say, you know, they've got three lines and two guys on the fourth line. It is Dela Rose and Clifford, and there's no right winger. So a right winger that's currently in the lineup, usually they would what, – what Craig Berube would do is the O'Reilly line would start the game. Then he'd come back with the third line. So the third line, I believe the right winger would be uh, Pagansky or McEachern. Then that right winger will double down and play on the fourth line. Mm. And you kind of rotate it through. And it all depends on who's been out there, who hasn't been out there. Odds are your fourth line's not getting a lot of ice time that night. Mm. And from time to time, and we saw this with Jake Wallman, they'll throw the D up there for a shift on the wing. It's... um, it's not ideal. I don't like it because at some point what happens is you have one player up front that's getting too much ice time and you have a defenseman that's not getting enough. So it's it's kind of like this this gray area of the dead zone uh, of players. So it's much easier to to go with four full lines and, and 6D for sure. That's the way I look at quick, it. Just quick answer because of all the emails, but what is the, what's a, a big advantage of doing, doing that? There's doing no, the eleven seven thing. There's real no, really no advantage. You I kind mean, of do it because you have to, right? You do it because you have to. Some coaches have right. done it. Like Tampa has done it when they want to double shift a certain player up okay. front. So they'll have a seventh defenseman in the playoffs in case somebody gets hurt or five minute or whatever happens. You have that that backup guy, and you want to double shift or triple shift like Kucherov and Stamkos and all these other guys. Braden Point, you want to get them more ice time. I know that Craig Berube in the past has used that strategy to get Ryan O'Reilly more ice time. Well, now you're at the point where Ryan O'Reilly can't take on any more right, ice right. time. Yeah. He's already <laughs> right. playing 67 minutes a game, I think. It depends, right? Hey, yeah. before we go back to another email here real quick, I want to ask about Ryan O'Reilly and, and Shin. And, you know, Jeff and I kind of talked about this before you, you get here. I'm a little concerned 
of those guys overexerting themselves and hurting themselves trying to make up for what is is missing here. How do you kind of play within yourself when you're Ryan O'Reilly and you know that right now a lot of what is going to happen offensively on this team is going to have to come from you and your line? Yeah, and look, here the <laughs> the hard part is is they're going to feel like they've got to drag the entire team behind them because that's just the nature of the beast. You're one of the best players. You're a leader. You're a veteran guy. You're competitive. All these things, you're like, okay, yeah, we have – Eight injuries right now. Don't worry. You can hit your cart to me. I'll drag us there. It's great. You want that out of your players, but it's taxing mentally and physically. And and the biggest thing that, that I'm worried about, and Donnie, we talked about this yesterday just a bit, is there's such a difference from the top six forwards to the bottom six as far as scoring goes. And last night with the LA Kings is a prime example. Um, the the Cairo O'Reilly Perron line had a ton of chances, a yep. ton of shots on goal. They gave up very few chances against. That was it. Yep. That was it. So you talk about guys putting a lot of pressure on themselves. Perron and O'Reilly are two of those guys. And then you had Braden Shen playing with Blay and Hoffman, which it was the reverse. They gave up like 11 shots against, created no shots for, and nobody else did either. So where's your offense going to come from? Right now, that's that's an issue for the Blues because you're missing Tarasenko, you're missing Thomas, you're missing Schwartz, you're missing Barbashev, you're missing Bozak. Those are main guys. Yeah. Those are guys that you rely upon, especially Thomas, Tarasenko, and Schwartz. That's a full line of top six forwards. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So now you've got you know you've got guys who are plugging the holes, which are working they're working hard. But as we saw last night against the Kings, and before that they're not necessarily creating a lot of chances. And when you go through the Blues list of, of top scorers, you've got the top four or five forwards, and then you've got, like, defensemen, like three defensemen, maybe even four. Then you get to another forward from the bottom six. It, it can't that's be not like a, that. That's not a good way to that's, go throughout that's a not season, the, yeah. That's not the death by a thousand cuts that Doug Armstrong likes from his team. And I, I'm sorry. I'll get to another email here in just a second, but I, I, I want to follow up on this. How does the expectations of management and the coaches change, or or does it change, when there is this unbelievable multitude of injuries? Obviously, you want to win every night, but, I mean, you know, realistically, man, like, is that what is... I guess that's what's expected. But you know what I'm trying to say? Like, yeah. what are the what are the expectations of management while there is this crush of injuries going on? I would imagine that it's that whole next man up, this is an opportunity, take the reins and go with it kind of thing, correct? It has to be. Yeah. Right? Like, there's some teams that the coaches will come out and say, hey, look, we're in tough here. We're in tough, and I don't really know who's going to step up. We're hoping so-and-so does. That happens, but not Craig Berube. I mean, he might say that. But the first thing he says is, well, it is what it is. And, and and this is why we have guys that can step in and do the job. And the bottom line is, is there's nothing we can do about it. So the next guy who gets to play is going to take advantage of that situation or we're going to find somebody who can, but we all have a job to do. That's the Craig Berube motto. That's the St. Louis Blues culture right now. And that's the way it has to be. You can't complain. You can't do that. I understand it's just... I mean, my God! It's also like human nature to complain and be upset when all this stuff is happening. Yeah, but it's to your opportunity team, you know? too. Yeah, well, yeah. absolutely. Looking yeah. For some guys, the opportunity that will come out of this. Now, what they make of it is kind of up to them, and it's kind of up to the other guys who are playing too. You know, how hard will they play for each other? How quickly can they get chemistry? All those things. But yeah, it, it is what it is, and that I mean, I hate that that phrase, yeah. or that saying, or whatever the hell you call it. But it's true. What can you do about it? Is anybody close to coming back? Uh, yeah, we've got – there's light at the end of the tunnel. Um, Jaden Schwartz is is getting better. Uh, Vladimir Tarasenko is basically doing full practice now. He's still probably a couple weeks away. Tyler Bozak got on the ice yesterday, which was great news for the Blues. Um, I'm trying to think here. Unfortunately, Carl Gunnarsson has been added to the IR yeah. now. we got – we got that to deal with and that as well. looked nasty, too. Do, do yeah. we know? Was it I, knee, ankle, I, hip? What I was think it? it was ankle. That's me. I looked at yeah. it, and I'm watching at first the way the foot went in, and then the way all of his body weight ended up back on it. Oof. He either has a broken ankle or a massive high ankle sprain where he tore ligaments and stuff. Either way, 
and this is going to sound crazy, it'll be better if he broke his ankle right. than if he has that high ankle sprain where there's lots of damage because that takes longer to heal. I always bone. think, and this may not be the shining example, but I always think of T.J. Oshie when I think high ankle sprain because didn't he go through a pretty nasty he one? He did. Yeah. yeah, he absolutely did, and it nagged him for a long time. And most times, guys, it takes well into the off season and sometimes into the next beginning of the season before you feel like you're any better. Yeah. I'm not sure what happened. I think Oshie wound up retiring. I'm not sure what happened to him. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, one – okay, I do have one more question. I swear we're going to get back to emails. Uh, what – and I know that you don't know the answer to this, and even if you did, it you could not tell division. us. I bet it's long division. <laughs> if it's but, math, you're right. Diagramming a sentence? But hearing, hearing Colton Pareko has a back injury – does not oh, make me is. feel tremendously warm that it's going to be, ah, Colton's going to miss a couple of games and then he's going to be back and ready to roll. This feels like a lingerer. And the way that I look at this as a Blues fan, I try to look at things long term. All right. And if it's not better, then don't you have to shut him down, talk about the surgery or whatever the heck it is sooner than later because he's one of your horses for the future? And and my two fears are, A, I know people in this town were knew what was going on with him, and I, I mean like press people, whatever, and didn't want to say anything, which scares me. And also if it's a if it is what it is, I mean, that's a big old back. That's a big, yeah. That's a big back. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So for some reason in my head, I think taller people will suffer with back injuries longer and more aggressively. I don't know. Yeah, they do. Obviously, there's a lot more real estate. Yeah, that there's more square footage. <laughs> more square footage. Uh, and the price is going up these days. No. Um, yeah, this, this screams of... To me, and I don't know, bulging disc in the back, and and what happens there is it presses on nerves, and then the nerves affect the whole side of your body, and you have trouble moving your leg, and sometimes you lose strength in your leg. And if you watch his play, he's had trouble opening up and pivoting and and turning from backwards to forwards. So, you know, uh, if that's the case, here's the strategy that I think, let me just put the think, is that... They're going to give him a break here, obviously. I sit down. They'll do treatments. They'll probably put a uh, cortisone shot in there, uh, some muscle relaxers, get it in there. What they're going to hope to happen is that that area just relaxes a bit and it does, it stops hitting the nerve. And if they can do that and they can manage it that way, then he can play through it. If they can't, then they may have to shut him down and – Proceed with some kind of surgical procedure, but 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 is it? But again, not the answer I was looking but for. But again, sir. we don't know exactly right, right. what it is. That's my guess. But but even if it's a, even if it's it gets better and he can play through, doesn't that mean eventually, dude's going to have to have surgery? Probably. Yeah, but at least then you can kind of control the timeline, okay. right? So if you say, okay, hey Colton, we're going to get you through to the end of the season. We'll see how it goes from there. We're going to get you through the end of the playoffs, and then the day after. Hopefully the day after they win the cup, uh, or a couple days after, because we'll have to celebrate for right, sure. Right, right, right. Um, then he goes under the knife, and you start the process, and you're hoping that you know two, three, maybe four months down the road, he's back to playing, and that would the timeline would be somewhere on the start of the next season. Got it. So that would be the cross your fingers hope scenario. Oh boy. I'd ask that question, Donnie. <laughs> right, Should have right. just went to emails. <laughs> right. ah. All right. Always one more question. So let's go to uh, to Wesley. This is a great email. He says, hello, gentlemen and Jamie. I go after the biggest guy in the room oh, to Wesley. prove <laughs> I go after the biggest guy in the room to prove I'm not scared. <laughs> That's a great, <laughs> great way to start it. I really, enjoy your, right. I really enjoy your podcast. I used to be a casual fan before I moved to St. Louis, then became more hardcore after I moved here. And your podcast is great for someone that's making the move to become more knowledgeable. The banter between you folks is great and when you add in relevant hockey info uh, to the humor it helps keep people's attention while giving them knowledge anyway do you know if they if you have a lot of accused criminals that listen to the podcast or people in debt i'm a criminal defense attorney and also do consumer debt defense it seems jeff somehow manages not to get caught with the woman he keeps in the trunk but if you get caught feel free to call me seriously though love the podcast keep it going and let's go blues that's from wesley allen and wesley's on tesson ferry so he's right out by me is is wesley saying is wesley saying that he wants to sponsor the podcast i don't know if we can prove that we have criminals i'm gonna give that to you. All right. That um, 
But or people with debt problems. Right. If we, so guess what? Again, you're talking L- about the cast of the show. So Hang far. on. <laughs> LMBP at 1057thepoint.com. If you've got any issues with the law, you don't have to tell us what they are. Yeah, I don't want to know. Let Donnie know. And we'll pass this along. And maybe this becomes a sponsorship. And we all help each other. Apart from that, yet no, um, I don't know of any criminals, nor have I ever done anything wrong in my life, and that keeps me safe. Okay, today's opposite day. <laughs> Why did he go with women? Man, I got, I got it. Okay. One of these days, I, I got arrested one time, one time in my life. It was the most scary experience in my life. I don't know how anybody could be used to that or like want to do the What'd things. What did you do, Donnie? What did you allegedly do? Let's do. Were that. you arrested or were you taken into custody? Because it's well, a total difference. Yeah, there. I was not taken into custody. Okay. Um, but um, <sighs> you don't have to say if you don't want yeah, to. No, I just tried it. So I was on the way to Florida. Was it Mulberry? Um, I was in the state of Tennessee. Okay. And it was the day before the Bonnaroo Festival was starting. Uh huh. And so, apparently, this particular stretch in Tennessee, they nail out of towners. Speeding. Speeding. Okay. Um, uh, but in our particular car, um, there were there was a bag of something that shouldn't have been in there. Oh, no. And uh, parsley. Exactly. Exactly. And, and also a parsley dispenser. Okay. Ah, all right. And, well, and, you got to get the parsley out. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. And How else are you going to clean it? Right. right. So uh, we got pulled over, and uh, I just, boy, the guys that, that can that can take that sort of, like, I, that's just not for me. Did man. you hear my story the last time I got pulled over for, uh, it, was, it was last hockey season or season before? Oh, my God. How bad were Two you seasons ago. Oh, my gosh. Do you know this story? <laughs> Did they look in the trunk? No. Okay. Um, <laughs> I was coming home from watching a game down at the... Uh, at the thing down there, Enterprise. Uh-huh. And, play. Uh huh. So it was like 10, 15, 10, 30, something like that on the way home. And I got pulled over, and it was winter, obviously. And I had layers on because I parked really far away from this from the arena and have to walk to back and forth. And it was hot inside my car because I was in like Wildwood, you know? And as soon as he lit me up, I pulled over, turned my car off, rolled the window down, turned my car off, took the keys out of the ignition, put them on the roof of the car, and put my hands outside the window. Like, that's what I did. Wow. Shaking. And the guy comes walking up to me. He's like, uh, you know, your license plate light is out. That's why he pulled me over, because my license plate light was yeah, but out. Uh, I would have then said, do you mind if I search the vehicle? <laughs> right. You seem all too like professional with how this works. Yeah, and yeah, he did say he ran my license, and when he came back, of course, it was spotless record. And Somebody else's plate. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he goes, here you go, Mr. Burton. Hep. And he stopped and he goes, why are you sweating so much? <laughs> I was like, well, it's 1030. I have 14 layers on and I got pulled over. Wouldn't you be sweating? And he goes, oh, okay. Just be careful going home. I said, all right, thanks. Jeff, I, remind me to not rob a bank with oh, you. Because apparently yeah. you can't Dude, hide it very immediately. Good. It was keys on top yeah. of the thing. My hands out. Oh, I didn't know Dude, what when, when it When it happened I with us, know. I just know the cop was looking at me going, I know this guy is guilty because he absolutely looks petrified. Like yeah. he's never gotten in trouble Plus in his you, life. You had a little box that was marked "not weed." Right? Yeah. Right. So not weed. Not weed. Probably right. thought you were keistering something. <laughs> All right. So uh, we go to uh, hello, gentlemen. I, by the way, I'm a saint. Yes. <laughs> hello, gentlemen, including Donnie. Oh, uh-huh. that's nice. Uh, oh, love the podcast too. and the blues. I'm watching Game One in the series against the Sharks. 21 and I can't help but notice the play of Blay and Sunquist. Uh, can you? probably Jamie, explain the importance of these guys. They seem to get in the dirty areas, and as I've heard Jamie say, retrieve the puck. Would it be helpful to put one of these Scud missiles on the first line with Ryan O'Reilly and David Perron? Just a thought. Keep up the good work, fellas. And that is from Justin. And that's a that's a great point. This is a great point. I love these emails because all we do is sit here and you ask you questions anyway. So this is great. No, this dude, it's perfect. And way. I'm telling you, man, like the rest of these are really, really good, too. Beautiful. We don't have to use them all today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you want a puck retriever. You want a hound out there. I call it the hunter, right? So you go out there, and you have one guy that just hunts down the puck. And on your forecheck, that's the guy that gets in there and initiates the first bang on the opposition. And your sole purpose at that point is to separate the man from the puck. That's your job. Don't worry about anything else. Just go in there and blast that guy. And the loose puck is for F2, who's flying in to retrieve it. And that's how you effectively have a good hard forecheck, which the Blues, that's how they – they play their game is with a hard forecheck. So, yeah, Sammy Blay, we saw him um, last night with the Kings, left wing with Braden Shen and Mike Hoffman. The experiment didn't go great. 
last night, but again, it's not normal circumstances. Right. Um, you know, they drew a lot of heavy coverage, which they're, because they're not uh, not as spread out in the lineup, so the LA Kings were able to, you know, double down on the first and second line guys. And the LA Kings play a weird defensive trap, anyways. It's a one-three-one. It's basically. You know, they, they just crowd that neutral zone, not like the Coyotes did. They go, you know, one guy who directs the traffic creates a wedge towards a wall. And then once they guide you to that spot, the next guy's waiting, and then they just fold over and block the middle of the ice. So that it just turns into an ugly game. So to, to our point, though, before, the Blues are going to have to chip and chase and, and keep moving that puck up the wall. That's the only way to beat the one three one with the possession style that the Blues like of trying to reverse puck side, go back up the other side. And, heck, we saw it, you know, Zach Sanford's turnover last night, which was not pretty, was not a oh, good. Oh, you saw that too. I didn't yeah, know anybody else saw that. it wasn't a good turnover, Hello. but you can't do that against a team that plays a 1-3-1 because all of the momentum is headed towards that side of the ice and towards the puck. You have to keep advancing the puck to beat it. I just don't even understand why he even went like looked backwards i, I, just, I think I it was a quick drop to to fall right they play yeah, the, okay but. so let me do this okay but wouldn't you let me let me see if i'm wrong or right here okay you okay. got your bat you you're facing your own goal donnie if you can't see which you can't because it's a podcast <laughs> is four feet away from me and you're falk and i'm looking at my own goalie as opposed to towards the middle dropping it back towards your own goal wouldn't you go up the boards like if, even if you just had to backhand it out is that correct or not yeah, there's a couple things you have to keep in mind here. It's situational hockey, right? And this is where young guys tr- have trouble. This is where young guys lose trust. It's under two minutes to play in the second period. You have the long change. So at all costs, that puck has to get out. Live to fight another day. And that would be into the neutral zone. And your defense, too, as a forward, when you come on the ice, and as a defenseman, I always say take inventory. I always knew how long the forwards had been on the ice before. Yours or theirs? Ours. Ours, okay. And the reason I always knew that is because I knew how badly they either had to get off the ice or how badly they didn't, right? So if they'd been stuck out there and I got, I was fortunate enough to get a change, when I got the puck, I made sure to put that puck somewhere we could get a change. So in this situation, the defense had been on the ice for over a minute. Zach Sadford gets the puck at that point. Two things. Three things, actually. One, it's a one-goal game. You can't turn the puck over or keep the puck in your end. There's no reason to get it out. Again, live to fight another day. Second part of that is you're under two minutes. Make the safe play. It's, yeah. You're coming to the end of the second period where you've got the bad change. If you're a goal down going into the third period, I like your chances. You've been a team that's been able to bat, battle back from that all year. Think about that. Again, put the puck to a non-dangerous area. Third thing, you have a defensive pairing that's been out there for over a minute. And you know at this point that you've only had five defensemen for the majority of this period because Carl Gunnarsson's been hurt, and Justin Falk has been the guy that's just munching minutes out there. Get the puck out. Get an icing if you have to. I know the players don't get to get off the ice, but they get a breather. Right. Get a little bit of a breather. I would rather take the icing than the turnover at that point. Obviously, we saw what happened to turnover. Where was he in his shift? Because he did not get back to the goal, and he looked like it was almost straight. Sanford, that is. He looked like he was straight-legging it almost, getting back. There was a couple times last night, though, man, where I was looking at him, and it looked like he was straight-legging it. And I don't mean to dump on the dude, but... Yeah, I kind of am. It's yeah, no. Look at and he's he's a guy that can be scrutinized right now. He's had a lot of turnovers in the last handful of games, and he's had he's had a goal the other night against the Sharks. A nice deflection, get to the front of the net. Need more out of that. Need more of that out yeah. of him. But yeah, that's a that's a situational play, and that's something that you know that's something that the statistics they'll show you the turnover, they'll show you the goal against, but they won't show you. You know, last minute of the period, the long change, and all. So that's why it's relevant for coaches to recognize that. And the player that gets on the ice, dude, get that puck out, get it out, man. You, you know, live to fight another day. And yeah. that, and Justin Falk wasn't ready for the puck. Why? Because he's exhausted, dude, and he's not calling for it. Mm. He's like, okay, he's getting the puck out. And if you watch that, Justin Falk is on his horse because he knows that if Sanford chips out into the neutral zone. He can skate hard enough to get to the bench for that quick change. So he's absolutely not ready for that puck. 
I did say bad words after that goal last no, night. No, not you. Very loudly. That's not good. Uh, hey, guys, I've been a huge listener since day one of the podcast and love the insight Jamie brings along with Jeff and Donnie's questions. I have to just say my least favorite word from Donnie is when he says, all right, because it normally <laughs> means I'm going to have to go back to paying attention to my kids in the near future. Also, as an early adapter of the podcast, I noticed that lately you've been censoring cuss words. I get it. You're probably trying to appeal to a larger fan base, but is there any chance that you can release an uncensored version as well? I know it's not a big deal, but as a former player, in quotes, I almost made the NHL, but my high school coach didn't like me. (laughs) 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 Curse curse words don't hurt my feelings and actually add some grit to the show. Anyway, keep up the awesome work. I love the insider views from Jamie and Jeff and Donnie are the best mega fans to have asking the questions, and that is from Tim. You know, Tim, I think we, we didn't do it intentionally as far as, like, the editing. I mean, they did ask us to to cut the swear words for it to bro- be broadcast on 101 ESPN. But I think more than anything else, at least for me, man, like, I didn't want it to just be cussing, 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 cussing. Like, if yeah, we... Just because you can. Right. Like, if, if, if... Lots of shows out there that are just cussing, 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 and yeah. it's like... And if, if we want to, we will, and, and we'll figure oh, out a way to maybe... We can bring it. Yeah, for maybe sure. We'll just release it completely uncensored, and it's nothing but cussing. <laughs> right. We have competition. <laughs> right. Who can keep going the longest with cussing? <laughs> Oof. That would be fun. Another <laughs> reason, though, too, honestly, is, uh, and I've had this comment, I'm in the rinks all the time, and parents come up to me and tell me their kids are listening to the podcast yeah. with them yeah. on the way to the rink, and that they're enjoying getting blues insight and, and things, too, and... The parents get the edgy side. The kids don't get it, right. which is fine. But the kids listen to the hockey side. And I, last thing I want to do is, not the kids don't hear cuss words, trust me. But again, I don't want the focus to become that. Or parents or people to be apprehensive to play it in front of their their wives, their girlfriends, yeah. their yeah. kids, you know, whatever. Um Listen, it's a daily battle for me to get through any show without cussing. <laughs> so any more motivation, I don't know if I could come back from it. Oh, and but, also, speaking of rinks, there at least the one time opening night they were playing the podcast at the at the arena, at the Enterprise, at Center. the Enterprise Center. So another reason really shouldn't be cussing. Tom Stillman was standing there sweating. Yeah. Didn't know what was coming next. So uh, this one is from William. He says, "Behind in the podcast, really enjoy it, uh, even with it being about games that have already happened." Jamie has talked about contracts before, but in the NBA when a big-name player is leaving a team, the team has a chance for a sign-and-trade. The player is able to get more money and the team they are leaving, they get something. Is that not an option in the NHL? I thought about this during the, uh, the Pietrangelo negotiations. Thanks for the show, learning a lot, and that is from William. Yeah, there's no option like that unless it's a restricted free agent. So what happens in the NHL is if a... Like right now, Vince Dunn is a restricted free agent. So somebody could offer sheet him. And all that means is another team from around the league offers him a contract. Then the St. Louis Blues have the ability to match that offer or let him walk. If they let him walk, they get a draft pick equivalent to the size of the contract that's been offered. So they put a dollar value to it. And if it's like an offer sheet on someone like Alex Petrangelo, although he was unrestricted, let's just use him. He's a franchise defenseman. He would be worth the first round. You'd lose a first-round pick, possibly another pick, by poaching a player from that team. Mm. And isn't is this one of those unwritten rules? No, the, it's, the offer the offer sheet thing. Well, the offer sheet. No, it's a real rule. You can do it. Now, the unwritten rule side That's, of it is that if you do explore that that avenue, expect it to come back tenfold. Somebody's going to try and tailpipe you later on on a deal where. You have a player that you know is going to put you over the top, and they're just going to come in and be like, oh, hey, remember me? Yeah, I'll offer him five years, $10 million a year. Right. Match it now, bro. <laughs> so there are some consequences to to the offer sheet for sure. All right. This, one, this one's coming from uh, from Brandon. <laughs> that that got me. Yeah, uh, hey, guys, I have a question uh, to Jamie about Barbashev's injury or more or less how it happened. Whenever a player is trying to screen the goalie for his teammate and ultimately tries to get out of the way of the shot, does the screener know where the shooter is trying to go through communication or practice, or is it just a random guess and the blocker is just praying not to get hit? Jamie, thanks for the insight each week. Jeff and Donnie, thanks for trying. That's from Brandon. <laughs> appreciate the effort. That's, that's for trying, sure. Man. That's for trying. I'm telling yeah. you, the people came to play today. Yep. They're, they're on their game. Yeah. Holy crap. I don't know if we can match that. Um, <laughs> 
Okay, so a couple things to with that question is there's a very small percentage of defensemen that shoot where the players know exactly where it's going. And I remember Jeff loves this, of course, talking about the Red Wings. Mm. Um, Nick Lidstrom, you would stand there in front of the net. He'd tell you to stand in front of the net, and he would fire, like, shots and one-timers and stuff. And the first couple of times, I'm like, okay, like uh, this guy makes a lot of money. I guess I'm just going to take one in the teeth, and <laughs> I'll go have soup for four weeks, you sure, know? yeah. And nothing touched me. This guy, like, he could circumcise a gnat mid-flight. It was incredible. That's impressive. impressive. That's impressive. Yeah. Mid-flight, at least. Mid-flight. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, it depends on the gnat. Some of them are more sure. impressive than others, of right. course. Right, or now, if, it's, if it's cold or warm. Exactly. Usually warm temperatures would make it a lot easier. Um, but Nick Lidstrom, if that was the case, he was able to do it, okay? Uh, Al McKinnis, you're taking your life in your own hands. <laughs> Not that he knew where the puck was going, but if it got away from him, like Jeff Norton one time went in front of the net to screen mm. the game, and Al took a, a one-timer, and it went right up towards Norty's face, and he bent over, put his head down, and it hit him in the top of the helmet and cracked the helmet in half. So that would have cracked his face. Wow. I think more than one time over McInnes' career, I saw him wind up, and then bodies were flying around, <laughs> and he just stopped. Like, I can't do this. Yeah, he was he was actually very aware of it. But, yeah, there are a few guys that you know, okay, if I stand here, he's not hitting me. Now – you know, there are times where you just go up. Your job is to get to the front of the net. And Barbashev the other night, if we just bring it back to that, he's standing there and he's waiting until the last possible second to get out of the way. And he lifts his leg because he he must have originally thought the puck was coming lower than it was. And so when he lifts his leg to get out of the way, he exposes that part of the ankle that has no padding. And so that's where it hit. And as soon as it hits, like, puck on bone, dude, Mm. it goes numb. Like, I had my elbow shattered one time, and it was like, oh, my God. Like, you want to puke. It hurts so bad right away. Wait a minute. Did you not have your elbow pad on, or was it just shot that hard? No, it was a one-timer in the slot, and I laid down in front of it, and I took it to the outside of my elbow, and it just, it, it, so much pain. And you can't can't get off the ice, right? right? So you're playing through it, and... You're like blacking out, and it's a weird feeling. But oh, yeah, man. it sucks to be hit by a puck like that. And, and Barbie's injury, you know, reevaluated in six weeks. I'm no doctor, although I have faked it a few times. <laughs> uh, that would tell me there's a broken bone or a fracture somewhere. Sure. All right. Man, well, well one man. more, one more email here, uh, and this one is from a Matthew, and Matthew lives out in Virginia. Okay, well, thanks, Maddie. They got the internet there. Uh, good morning, guys. Sorry if any of this has been covered before. Two questions here. Every game I feel so frustrated at some of the mediocrity, like giving up the puck, making real good plays in the defensive zone and getting to the opposing zone and being too tired to do anything other than to dump and chase. I think the team is good, but it feels like orchestrated chaos or just luck. I'm seeing very little chemistry. I feel like I'm watching a really good, mediocre team. A team that can be in first place in the worst division. So am I being a little hyper-aware because we won a cup two years ago, or does something look a little off about the Blues? Second question, it may be controversial or whatever, uh, but want you guys to talk, uh, but hey, but want you guys to talk, uh, know that I'm sorry, but you guys know this talk is going to come up eventually, especially if this if his current shoulder doesn't take he's pretty much had zero contribution to the team in over a year what the hell do when the hell do we cut the Tarasenko cord seems like a financial risk and a burden at this point pardon my length that's Matt from Virginia and I'd like to maybe comment on the first two things before you guys well you did so good with that keep going yeah sorry um um, sorry to put that in front of you right before you started. No, talking. and I read it too, uh, Matt. No, I, jerks! I know you didn't write it that way. Uh, I'm so, you guys are jerks, man. Man, I was given the three E's all the way up until the so, end here. But yeah. but but I kind of agree with him in the top paragraph. And Jeff, I think we've even talked about it. Like it it feels like the 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 tools are there. But even when healthy, they just hadn't gotten to put them together yet. Yeah, it's it's frustrating now because they're a good team. Or it's frustrating now because they're yeah. in that uh, Stanley Cup window. It's frustrating now because they won a Stanley Cup, and we know that they're in the window, and we know that they're good, and then they're not good. You know what I mean? Yes. Like 10 years ago when they weren't good, we get it. That was the team. They're not doing great right now. Right now we expect so much, which is a good thing. Yeah, yeah, but here – But but on top of it, we see – the games when they are not playing heavy. 
We can notice it. We see that. And I know it's not an easy thing to just go and impose your will, but if we can see it, those dudes sure the hell can see it. And we just, like Jeff said, we just expect more now. See how, how frustrated we are with you professional athletes? I can hardly tell. Damn it. My God, Donnie almost blacked out there. Now, <laughs> that being said, yeah, look, guys, first of all, they're a great team. Okay? Uh, top to bottom, this is a really good team. You have to remember the injuries yeah. that have happened here. Of course. And it's from day one. It, they haven't had a day yet where they haven't been injured. They lost Alexander Steen. He had to retire. So so much of an injury that they had to you know put him into retirement, or he just he retired. Whatever, however you want to word it. Vladimir Tarasenko's been gone all year, so you're missing two veteran guys who are very talented, a massive hockey IQ on both of those guys. That's going to impact your team. You brought in Mike Hoffman. That's a new guy, maybe not used to how things are going. Tori Krug, not exactly sure of how things are going. You've had Austin Pagansky in your lineup. This is first NHL action ever. You've had Mackenzie McEachern and Jacob De La Rose, who didn't play hardly at all in the first six games, and now they're major players in your roster. So... I, I, I'm not making excuses. These are all facts. Yep. And if you look at the line combinations, they've been different almost every single night, and so have your defensive pairings. And you've had a guy named Colton Pareko that's been battling most of the season with a bad back and barely moving around out there. So all that thrown into one pot as we boil it, it's a really talented group that's still trying to figure out what their line mates are doing, what you know, how to get they, – they're not – connected just yet. It's going to take a little time, and hopefully it doesn't take time. Hopefully we get guys back from injury, but as of right now, it's kind of a, a mishmash of players, and to your point, though, they're going to have to figure it out. They're going to have to get on the right page because nobody else gives a crap. No, The, the Golden Knights and the Avalanche and the LA Kings, who are right nipping at the heels now, they don't care. In fact, they want you to fail. Oh, that's rude. It is. That's it's awful. Nice. It's that terrible. Is, it's not very sportsmanlike of, right of them. But nonetheless, the Blues are going to have to untwist themselves on this one. You, you know, one, one of the things that we, in closing, I, I, I thought about last night a bunch during the game. I am trying to think of a goalie outside of maybe Dominic Hasek that I have seen that is better than Jonathan Quick on an almost nightly basis. Mm. It seems like no matter if he's playing us or whomever, that he is just... He, is he a Hall of Fame player? He I seems to he me is. like he would be. Two, fam- two, cups, two cups. Yeah. And he's carrying a team again. Without him last night, they don't win that game. He's incredible. I said it yesterday on the fast lane. I was like, you never mind where the Kings are ever in the standings. They still have Kopitar. They still have Brown. They still have Dowdy. Brown scored the second goal. Uh, Kopitar had a good game. Dowdy played like, I don't know, probably 30 minutes. And Jonathan Quick was my last one. And Quick. Stole the game for you, him. and you talk about a goalie having confidence. Damn, that dude looks like he is running at any time that that puck is anywhere around. Oh yeah, him. he's confident. Is that what five in a row? They he's won? got balls the size of church bells. <laughs> no problem for that guy. Do you know? Do you know two what wheel, religion? Two wheelbarrows, please. <laughs> Listen, if you want to be a part of the show on uh, Monday when we uh, do the Last Minute Blues, wait, no, Thursday, Thursday when we do the Last Minute Blues podcast again, send us an email, lmbp at 1057thepoint.com. Uh, Jamie Rivers from 101 ESPN, Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton from 1057 The Point. It is the Last Minute Blues podcast. As always, let's go Blues. The Last Minute Blues podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com. Peloton, let's go! This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home-trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.